So if everybody could put their hands together and we slightly bow our heads, we'll say Swabadika. It's a very educational episode number 10 of the Travel Podcast as today we head on over to Thailand. You're listening to The Travel Podcast. Travel Podcast, today's most exciting travel destinations. Brought to you by people with a real passion for travel. Great holiday ideas, real reviews, practical advice, and all the best deals in one simple podcast. The Travel Podcast. Now here is your host, Steve Witt. Hey, Steve here, your host for another episode of The Travel Podcast. And in case you didn't know, this is the podcast where we inspire you with ideas and tips to travel the world as soon as we're able to. Today, my co-hosts are Jules and Dave. And of course, we're all passionate about travel. We've all traveled the world and we all know a thing or two about traveling. And a quick favour, if you haven't already done so, please head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Uh, we're aiming to get in that new and noteworthy section to take over the world of travel podcasting. And of course, in this episode, uh, we've already said it's all about Thailand, but uh, the travel podcast team are being joined by two special guests. First up, we've got Betsy, who's the trade manager at Tourism Authority of Thailand. Um, so great expert advice there from Betsy. And we've got Mark McCarty, who's both a travel consultant with not just travel, but also has lived and worked in Thailand for many, many years, so has some inside knowledge for us. So today we're going to be delving deeper into Thailand and the beauties of its landscapes, the key attractions, ideas for first-time itineraries, bustling Bangkok, underwater wildlife, and incredible street food. So lots to pack into this episode, but we're going to start by... Uh, Joining Jules as she's asking Betsy, for anyone who's never been to Thailand before, how do we get there? Great. So um, the quickest and easiest way to get to Thailand um, would be to fly to Bangkok. And you can do that direct. So it takes about 11 and a half to 12 hours. Um, but there's other international airports in Thailand as well. So if you didn't want to go into Bangkok necessarily, you can go into Chiang Mai or Phuket, for example, um, but you would need to do a stopover, so in the Middle East, for example, on your way there. Um, but really, once you're at any airport within Thailand, it's very easy to get around. Um, so internal flights are sort of in abundance. So you can travel from Bangkok into Chiang Mai or down to Phuket. And they're all sort of vary between about one and two hours flights each. Um, alternatively, sort of a different way to travel once you're in Thailand would be to get the train. Um, so there is a train line that runs from Chiang Mai in the north all the way down to the south and into Malaysia as well. So I've not actually done this myself, but I've heard it's a very unique way to do it. Obviously, if you've got a little bit more time on your hands, because just for context, it's about 12 hours between Chiang Mai and Bangkok. So for the people that have got a little bit more time to spare. But um, Dave, I think you did that route at some point, did you? A couple of times, actually, Bessie, to be honest, I do like a train. You'll, you'll probably get to know this. Um, trains are great, but you have to, if you're going on a long journey, I always recommend getting a sleeping berth. Um, I've done berth, both, berth, and a both. I've done both. So I've had a sleeping berth on the way from Bangkok down to Suratani. Um, and I've also done it in the seat. Now, the seats are quite small if you're just having a seat. It can be quite uncomfortable. So if you are getting the trains, it doesn't cost a lot more to have a sleeping bath and the food's great and you get very big bottles of singer beer as well so um if you're gonna do it get a sleeping bath it's well worth the extra money 
Fantastic insight there, Dave. Um, so speaking about the different areas of Thailand, then, if we start in the north, uh, so Chiang Mai sort of area, now this is uh, much more mountainous, isn't it? What can you tell us more about the north of Thailand, Betsy? Yeah, so the north is kind of where the jungle meets the mountains. Um, so a lot of people choose to go up here to just really enjoy the scenery. Um, it typically has a much cooler climate. Um, and yeah, it's a great place to really experience Thailand's wildlife. So all of the elephants, there's great bird watching up there as well. Um, and lots of opportunities for like adventure activities. So like rafting, cycling and hiking and things like that. So it makes a really good alternative to a beach holiday. And a, a lot of people do tend to do the both as part of one holiday to really get an all round picture of Thailand. Um, and especially if you a first timer, we do recommend doing those two things and then adding Bangkok onto the end just to give you that all round picture. One thing you can do um, also from Chiang Mai, which I did a long time ago, we went up to visit the, the hill tribes. And, and we actually um, had the opportunity to actually ride on an elephant because the only way you could get to this specific hill tribe was on an elephant. There was no roads or anything else. So it was great going through the, 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 the hills and the, and the jungle on the back of an elephant to get to the hill tribes. And then we actually stayed there for two or three days. It wasn't a touristy thing. So we actually stayed in the hill tribes, slept out uh, outside the huts and uh, really sort of got to experience you know, that sort of Thai life. Uh, which is still like that these days, going back hundreds of years. So I don't know if you've managed to do that, Mark, have you at all? Um, yes, and, and also um, I've been, there's, a, there's an area called the, the Chiang Rai province, which is, which is accessible for Chiang Mai, and there's the most surreal temple there. It's called the White Temple, which I, I believe was from a, a Thai artist. And it's basically, it's complete everything in its white and it's almost surreal as you go into it it's like the, the hands coming out from hell it's got predator michael jackson george bush are all in this just incredible um temple so if you're ever in the chiang mai region that is honestly the pictures you 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 look at them going did i actually visit this place but it's the white temple i think its real name is wat rung kun but if you Google the White Temple, you'll see it and see the pictures. It's quite astonishing. Brilliant. So moving moving further south, then I guess we come to the sort of the cities of Thailand. And I know Bangkok um, is got a special place in your heart, Mark, because you you spent a long time living there. Could you explain to everyone what what it's like to live in Bangkok? Well, yeah, live living there a little bit. It's like a parallel universe to actually visiting because I'd visited and travelled two or three times but then when I'm when I lived there I lived in various different areas and kind of got to know the the real the real Bangkok um and it, it's just a you know if you've never been to Asia it is an assault on the centers there's no getting away from it it's extremely frenetic and bustling just with the, the population and the way the Thai way of life you know you can go and visit the various different um kind of headline attractions but I used to do quite a few staycations where at the weekend, because we lived in the city, we'd go down to the river and just stay in one of the hotels the other side of the river because it feels very different um, to the rest of Bangkok, especially if you've got a, a family and you want to have a bit more, uh, you know, you want to be outside of the hustle and bustle in the evenings. Um, and, and you you know, there's some lovely um, hotels all along the, along the riverside and the access to get into town is easy through the through the trains so yeah it's a very different it's a very different place but 
yeah, for a first time visit, you've got to spend at least a couple of days in Bangkok just to kind of get a real feel of a, a huge city, a huge um, Thai city, quite, quite an amazing place. Yeah, I totally agree. Some of the sites that I encountered uh, while sitting on uh, on a small plastic stool on the centre of Koh San Road, uh, being offered some interesting delicacies while sipping on a singer beer. You, it's definitely the place to people watch. Hey, Dave, mm -hmm. did you uh, have some culinary delights whilst you were in Bangkok? Yeah, definitely. And uh, those that know me know that I'm a fan of street food. And um, there's you know all sorts of things, chickens, feet, and um, we'll talk about grasshoppers a bit later, I think, probably. But, but yeah, and I think that the only time I've been ill in Bangkok was when I went to a pizza restaurant. So I always found I was, I was always better when I was eating from the street foods. And I think there's actually a um, a Mission Star street food. Am I right, Betsy? Or am I? Did I? There is, is yeah. There's a there's a street food vendor with a Michelin star, and I think that kind of tells you everything you need to know about Thai food. Um, you really don't have to pay over the odds for a really good meal. I mean, you can, and experiences on rooftop bars and things in Bangkok really are amazing. But then you've got that polar opposite, um, which gives you a completely different experience, but just amazing. Um, the vendor, if anyone wants to know the name of it, is called Jai Phi. Um, so definitely one to keep your eye out for when you're in Bangkok for sure um, and I think probably one of the most um, unique experiences for me having been to Bangkok is um, there's a railway called the Miklong Railway and there is actually a market on the railway itself and it's absolutely amazing some of you may have seen these videos on Facebook before but it is a market that has just sort of expanded and expanded and they have just got all of their goods on this working railway and the train comes by about sort of four times a day and they have to take all of their stuff off the railway, pull the canopies back, and this train comes through very slowly, but still it comes through. And you know, the vendors do not bat an eyelid and there's all these tourists taking pictures and it is just phenomenal. And that for me um, is something that really sticks in my mind, um, having been to Bangkok, as sort of a very alternative experience that you can have being in a city. It was amazing. Yeah, it sounds amazing. So moving out of the cities, uh, going a bit further south then, and Betsy, could you explain what, what are the islands like and the coastal regions around Thailand? Yeah, so the south of Thailand is known for its beaches and its islands, um, and there's about 1,400 different islands in Thailand, so it's so, so many to choose from. And it is, I think, for a first-time visitor, it's quite difficult to figure out where you actually want to go. Um, but quite a nice tip for people who have to travel sort of in the school holidays. So just a bit of an overview in terms of seasons for Thailand. So they've kind of got a dry, a hot and a green season. Dry season is between November and February. Hot season is then sort of March to May. And then green season is around June to October time. So um, green season is great for the north because that's when the jungle is at its most luscious. So really beautiful time to visit then. Um, but if you're looking for a beach holiday, it definitely you shouldn't discount the UK summer holidays because there's a sort of better coastline in the south to visit. And that coastline is the Gulf of Thailand side, so the one with Koh Samui on it. Um, and then if you are traveling in our winter, then the Phuket side, the Andaman Sea is the better one time to visit. So that's quite a nice tip for people who um, sort of are stuck to traveling at certain times of year. 
Um, but obviously a lot of people will know the sort of key hubs, so Phuket, Krabi, Koh Samui, um, but we are finding a lot more people looking for the sort of off the beaten track beach stays now and places that are potentially a little bit quieter that haven't really been discovered by tourism. And there's lots of options. So places like Koh Lanta, Kaolak are becoming more popular. Um, so they have, you know, really nice resorts and hotels, but still on the sort of quieter side compared to places like Phuket. Um, so yeah, there's lots of options. It, is, it can be a bit of a minefield. It's just choosing exactly where you want to go. But that's why we tell people just to keep coming back year and year after year so they can experience more of it. That's a great tip there, Betsy. Um, so I have actually experienced some of the fun of the islands um, when I went backpacking all those years ago, fresh out of university. And uh, there is a particular island, Kopanyang, which hosts the full moon party. And I would not recommend it for families or children. However, if you do want a real insight into um, some hedonistic crazy stuff then i would head there um, where you'll see things like skipping ropes um, burning with fire and buckets of alcohol or consuming um, but uh, yes dave have you got any experience of the islands i have plenty jules um so apart from uh, talking about the main ones coast samui and phuket so phuket you can it's always important to ask people what is it you want because you go and spend some time at Patong if you want some crazy nightlife very busy high-rise or you can go and say it's some other beautiful hotels um, on the island but I too have also visited Kopanyang many many years ago and the only bit I can remember is waking up on the beach the following morning with some people from Iceland um, so um, it was what well, I remember it was an amazing experience uh, I think it's moved on a bit these days, but um, yeah, I, I did remember waking up with some people from Iceland. I, apparently, I spent most of the evening with. Um, but yeah, Betsy's right. There's something for everyone, you know. If you want crazy full-on nightlife, then you can go here. If you want to relax in five and six-star, if you want tree pod dining or a um, a villa up in the trees with its own pool, then those um, types of luxury properties. Are, are abundant all over the islands and some of the ones are a bit more sort of um that you wouldn't have heard so much about but uh yeah absolutely right and talking about the weather and the time of year i think thailand's great for christmas for families as well i think it's a great different type of christmas um if you like me and you're not keen on the cold and the dark thailand for christmas i think is a great time to go and what about you mark have you got any experience in the island yeah i, I was trying to sort of I think I've been to about a dozen, but there's a there's a couple that, that kind of that stick in the mind just because they were slightly different. The first is um, Ko Yai Ye, which is there's Ko Yao Noi and Yao Ye. I think Ye is big, Noi is small. And there's a there was a particular place that I stayed, and it was like a hilltop hilltop retreat. Um, at this particular resort, and it was an eco resort, very laid back, but every, well, quite a lot of the um, apartment style, with beach beach hut style, had um, infinity pools, and you were just overlooking the, the sea, and, and these, you know, casts that come out of the sea, um, and it was just such a, an amazing, beautiful place. And then the other one was, um, and it's quite near, it's probably good if you're, if you're on, you, you've got, less time it's a place called Koh Samet which is about three hours drive 
from Bangkok. So say, for instance, if you only had a couple of days before your flight leaves and you wanted to move out of Bangkok, you can go there. You can even get a taxi or um, private transfer there. It's about three hours drive from Bangkok. You get on a ferry and then you're on an island. And that's more, if you like, a bit low key, but there's a lot of the Bangkokians that go there for the weekend. So it's a bit like the place that they go to get away from the city. So if you want a bit bit different a feel than just all tourists, um, that's a great place as well. So two very different um, islands. That's great. And getting between the islands is super easy as well, like you said, with local ferries. And it gives you an insight um, into the local people when you can travel on their form of transport as well. So you pick up a few stories and some tips along the way from, from the locals. And so moving on then uh, to the key highlights of Thailand as such. So if we start first with, with the wildlife, I know you've mentioned, Betsy, that the Norse is really great um, for the wildlife. And I myself worked in an elephant sanctuary for um, a couple of weeks when I was backpacking. And um, what about the rest of the country in terms of wildlife? What would say, you say were your highlights, Betsy? Yeah, so elephant is the national animal of Thailand. So you'd be hard pushed to go anywhere on your holiday in Thailand and not see an elephant when you're there. Um, there's lots of elephant sanctuaries dotted throughout, even in the south as well. Um, as I said, bird watching is very popular, um, but there's lots of marine national parks in Thailand as well. So actually the underwater wildlife is out of this world. Um, and there's mammals like the dugong, which is also known as the sea cow. That's native to Trang in the south. And then we've got pink dolphins as well off the coast of Nakhon Si Tamarat. So if you're lucky enough to see those, um, I've never seen one when I've been there, but absolutely would love to. Um, so there's lots of options of sort of exotic animals as well as, you know, bird watching and things like that. Um, I suppose with the elephant sanctuaries, because there are so many of them, it is just worth doing your research before you go, make sure you're visiting the ones that are regulated. Um, and, you know, same goes with hotels, because I think if you're visiting somewhere and you sort of want to support that responsible tourism, it's always good to do that research. Have a look at the um, sort of ethics of the hotel, see what they're doing in terms of recycling and single use plastic and things like that because um, there's so many options and I think it's just sort of narrowing down the ones that are good for you and sort of makes you feel like you've come back from your holiday having done some good as well. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned, Dave, you, you'd been on an elephant. Are you much of a diver? Have you seen the marine life? Um, yes, uh, in a, I have been, uh, I can't remember where it was, it probably would have been around uh, Chiang Mai, but I do like more like to snorkel rather than dive. At a, um, a bad experience in Mexico once with scuba diving. I won't go and bore you with now. Uh, coming up under the wrong boat. But um, yeah, love snorkeling, love being in the ocean. Um, but uh, yeah, pretty much around Samui. I don't know if there's any other areas you'd recommend, Mark, for, for sort of diving and uh, that sort of thing. Um, again, Koh Tao is probably the famous the famous diving um, island in, in Thailand. Um, so that would be if you're really into diving because you can get your paddy as part of your holiday. You know, you can do it in seven days or five days or, or whatever. So that's definitely um, on the on the bucket list. Um, just back to what Betsy said, um, when I when I was working um, in Thailand, I was part of a there's a there's a, a scheme called Travel Life, which a lot of the hotels sign up to. And that's like an ethi ethical sustainable certific certification then you get different levels so you can always ask 
you know, whoever's booking your holiday, if, if the hotels will go and have a look yourself on their website to see if they're certi certified. Um, and then just in terms of, you know, elephant sanctuaries, I know that there's there's um, day trips where you can go and, and be part of um, mahouts who, who are basically the, the people that look after the elephants. You can go and have a day in the life with a mahout and they will teach you through um, what they do on a daily basis, especially um, in the sanctuaries. But again, making sure that they're certified um, because you, that's obviously um, paramount now to make sure that um, sanctuaries are certified. Yeah, that's great. And a lot of the companies are doing a lot in terms of their ecotourism um, and ensuring that the well-being of the animals is at the forefront of, of their tourist product. Um, so that's really, really great. And I myself did got my um, paddy open water certificate in Kotal. So, um, yeah, I'm a certified diver. Um, now, moving on to the food. Now, everyone knows this is my favourite subject on every podcast. Um, but I think if I go for my very favourite Thai dish, it would probably be a green Thai curry. And I know it's not that exotic, but it is absolutely delicious. And I would finish that off with some sticky rice and mango. What about you, Betsy? What's your favourite dish? Yeah, I must say, I think having a good Thai green curry in Thailand, you just cannot beat it. And obviously pad Thai as well. Um, there's a dish called lab as well, which is kind of like a meat salad. Um, and I think one thing that Thais do really well is a spicy salad. And we don't really tend to do that in England very much um, and I think that ever since I've tried that I'm just I just love it and sort of all the fruits that they put in savoury food as well I really love that um, but I think it's quite interesting seeing the differences in the cuisine in the north versus the south and a lot of the spices um, sort of a lot fresher in the north versus dry spices in the south and a lot more of seafood and I love seafood um, so actually Spending a lot of time in the south having lots of seafood dishes is amazing as well um, and so fresh obviously it comes straight out of the sea and onto your plate in you know a matter of a day um, so you really cannot beat that um, and I think there's about two and a half thousand Thai restaurants in the UK now so that does really just show the British love for Thai food but you have to really go and see it for yourself um, for sure. Brilliant and what about you Dave you've got a top Thai dish? Yeah, I've got a couple, uh, Jules, to be honest, and food is one of the unique selling points of Thailand. It re really is. Um, first of all, I've got to agree with Betsy about larb. If you haven't experienced it, uh, you can have chicken larb, I think, or duck larb, and they serve it in like a lettuce leaf, don't they? Uh, mm. It's absolutely stunning. It can be a little bit spicy, but it's great. Also, um, I, there's something called tom yam, which is a very spicy soup, which I absolutely love. And again, I'm, I'm with Betsy on the curry. I like a nice massaman curry. And a cold singer beer to go whatever whatever it is you're eating. That'd be my top three, I guess. Of course. And what about you, Mark? So away from the street food, the crickets and the uh, grasshoppers that we might have tried on Kosan Road. What about your favourite dish? Um, well, mine's is a, a dish called Yum Pladuk Fu, which is crispy catfish, which sounds very random. And I don't actually particularly like um, bony fish, but they actually just deep fry the whole thing and serve it with mango salad, um, a, a mango chutney, and it's absolutely superb. And then back to what Betsy and Dave said, lab moutard, which is there's the healthy one, which is the, the fresh one, and then they deep fry in balls. Um, and I, I just love that the word 
the word for pork in in um, Thailand's moo. So that, that always tickles me. But back to um, northeastern food or Ifan food, which is normally, as Betsy said, um, can be a bit bit spicier. But yeah, they have their own specific take, and I just love Ifan food. It's just it's just it's always a little bit more cheeky on the spice, but the flavors are just superb. Yeah, there's also some opportunities, aren't there, Betsy? Um, some companies are starting to offer cooking classes as a, as another um, sort of um, sightseeing thing that tourists can actually take part in. Have you got yeah. any that you would recommend in Thailand? So there's hotels offer, a lot of Thai hotels offer cooking classes, but there's a lot of um, sort of standalone ones as well. So I know there's the Blue Elephant. Um, they're all dotted all around Thailand, um, but it's definitely something that I would recommend you doing because um, you, you then can sort of bring a bit of Thailand back with you. Um, I have tried to recreate some of the dishes that I've learned at Thai cooking courses, but for some reason you just cannot get it spot on. I don't know whether it's the ingredients or whether it's just me not being able to remember exactly how it was done or I can't really, I can't say why. Um, but the nice thing with a lot of the cookery courses in Thailand is that they're set um, sort of on the beach fronts, especially if you go to the ones in the south. So it's kind of all open air. You're not sort of stuck in a sort of kitchen. You are just in open air and they really, they are beautiful. Um, so you sort of get the experience of actually really getting to know a Thai person, like the chef as well. Um, and yeah, you've got loads of tips that you can take home with you. Yeah, actually, I did take part in one cooking course and he gave me the recipe book when I left. So, but like yourself, Betsy, since coming home, I'm afraid my Thai cooking skills have dulled right yeah. down. Um, <laughs> but never mind, there is a lockdown which we can practice in. So that's great. Yeah, and, exactly. part of, <laughs> and the main part of Thailand that I think I really appreciated and thought was very different to other countries that I visited were the people. And I feel like they really make the country. They're so kind. Um, people will, will go out of their way to help you as a tourist and expect nothing in return. Um, and what are your experiences with the locals, Mark? Um, yeah, well, well, I, I worked in, the, in a Thai office, so there's probably 80 Thai staff. So the first thing I just love, they, they all have nicknames for themselves. So I worked with somebody called Meow Meow. And, and a guy called Pui, which means, and a lot of the, the nicknames they get when they're younger. So um, Pui means a bit tubby in, in Thai, so, but his, that was his nickname for the rest of his life. So I'd, I'd be having Skype conversations with Pui and Meow Meow, and it was just very surreal every, every day. You're like, really? But um, yeah, they're just they're, they're such, such warm-hearted people and just, yeah, the, the main thing was they really respect their elders for a start. So they really respect their elders, but they love kids, absolutely love. So for a family holiday, um, Thailand's probably my number one choice for a family to go because you've got such, um, the people just love, fam love families and love kids. Um, so it's just a, a fantastic, open-hearted um, culture and people. So just loved it. So um, one of the experiences I had with the local people was um, actually with some monks. Uh, they came to us and said, um, would you like to join us for tea? So that was a really fantastic experience, which I've since learned is a um, very exclusive experience that not many people have had the opportunity um, to have. So I feel very lucky there. And um, 
the people as well, like you said, they're, they're super respectful. And I believe when you do your greeting, I don't know if this is right, Betsy, but the lower you bow your head, uh, is that's a show of how much more respect you have for the person that you're greeting. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. So you'll find that often young people come into a room and if they see an older person, they will sort of bow their head. Um, and I think it's things like that that does show the amount of respect, like you said, Mark, that they give their elders. Um, but the thing that I love is that when you go to Thailand, they do really want to show their country off. Um, and there's it's it sort of gives you a bit of a warm feeling when you visit Thailand and you just are welcomed, you know, with open arms and they do want to show it off. You don't feel like you're an imposter and you're sort of getting in the way. Um, they're so proud of their country and their heritage and they want you to learn about it. Um, and I think that sort of speaks volumes in the fact that 72% of people who visit Thailand are repeat visitors. And a lot of people we speak to who say they love it, that is the thing that comes up the most is the people and the fact that they just love the warmth that they get when they arrive in Thailand. Yeah, they are beautiful people inside and out, that is for sure. Um, and another part of their culture, which I must admit I was too scared to experience, is the Thai boxing. Um, but I believe, Mark, have you had an experience with the Thai boxing? I, yeah, well, I, I, I've been to see it, but, but I also went on like a day's training and, oh, good grief, it is the most, it's the toughest training I have ever experienced. Uh, just incredibly fit. But yeah, the, 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 it's the national sport. Um, and so the, the Thai population absolutely love it. It's on TV every week. But yeah, just the whole ceremony ceremony around um, Muay Thai, it's just such a spectacular sport um, to, to go and see. I think I'd quite like to try it over in the UK, but I think going to Thailand and doing it in the heat must be very full on. And I'm not one, I did um, hot yoga before, but albeit it was in a room that just had heaters blaring out. and. I absolutely hated it. So I have a feeling that I would try Muay Thai over here and I'd probably really enjoy it, but maybe if I try it in Thailand, it would be another story, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what about um, Tai Chi then, Betsy, if you're a bit of a yogara? Yeah, the so there's, <laughs> it is now. <laughs> um, so there's, yeah, there's so many um, sort of yoga treats that you can experience and places like Chiva Som, which win awards for wellness, you know, globally year after year. Um, but there's a lot of sort of smaller yoga retreats that you can go to um, and sort of where you do yoga overlooking the sea, I think is absolutely beautiful. Um, and it's sort of an experience you can't really replicate over here. Um, and you've got, you know, Thai massage as well. And that is something that the locals do just part of their sort of weekly routine. Um, and you'll find that spas and massage parlors are just sort of on every street corner because it's just what they do as part of their sort of weekly routine. Um, and they really hurt. I mean, I, I've had a couple of them done and you do just underestimate how much they are going to hurt. But boy, do you feel so much better afterwards. Um, and yeah, it's not like the massage that you get over in the UK at all. Um, so I would definitely just a pre-warning for anyone who's not had one and wants to try one. They aren't for the faint hearted. <laughs> no, but very good in terms of um how you feel afterwards, definitely, Betsy, at the time, like you said, maybe not so enjoyable, but afterwards. Oh yeah, you'll definitely feel better. Oh, brilliant. So 
Um, and in terms of the wellness, so this is quite an emerging um, type of holiday, especially that we're seeing in the UK, and I think will we'll be more prevalent as we come in out of lockdown um, in terms of the wellness. So you mentioned there are some wellness retreats in Thailand, is that right, Betsy? Yeah, there's lots. Um, and we're finding that that is becoming more and more popular as well. People are wanting to go on their holiday and sort of rejuvenate and relax. So yoga retreats especially are becoming very, very popular as are spa holidays and things like that. So, um, yeah, we're definitely seeing a higher demand for it. And there's definitely supply in Thailand. Um, lots of all basically all spectrums. You've got the very, very big resorts doing it. And then you've got the sort of very, very small resorts doing it as well. So if you're after a relaxing holiday, then Thailand is definitely a good, good option for you. Yeah, I mean, we've discussed it. it's great for for families, for um, for couples, for those interested in sports, for those interested in just flop and um, drop holidays it really does tick boxes for for everyone but what would you say mark if you were speaking to a first timer what would you suggest as a sort of a first time itinerary for maybe a week's holiday in thailand um if you're a week if, if it's a week you probably fly into bangkok um possibly a couple of days and then depending on what type of holiday you wanted you could either go up to chiang mai or over to one of the islands so you, you'll get you know you'll get um, a different feel to the same holiday but again from what Betsy said previously depending on what time of year you want to go and what type of experience you want to have um, would dictate but yes um, into Bangkok or in or out of Bangkok and an island and possibly up to the north so you get a rounded feel for the whole of Thailand in one trip and you could do that in a, in a week to 10 days quite easily. Yeah, brilliant. What would you suggest? Anything for a first time itinerary you would add to that, Dave? Um, for me, first time, again, what Mark says depends on time. Um, it would be a three centre for me. So, yeah, Bangkok, um, maybe at the end, not necessarily at the beginning, um, but I would probably have a good three nights or even four in Bangkok, depending on who it was. Um, one of the beaches um, for, again, probably have a week. And I'd go up north as well, probably Chiang Mai. So probably three or four nights in Chiang Mai, three or four in Bangkok. What's that? Six, seven. So for a two-week itinerary, week on the beach, few nights in Bangkok, few in Chiang Mai, and then you get a bit of everything. You see, you can go up and And then if you get time, um, because there are places sort of in the middle, sort of thing, you can go to um, Sukhothai. Where you want to, if you're into temples and ruins, then Sukhothai, Ayutthaya which I think was the used to be the capital of Thailand, Michael, correct yeah. me there. And also one place we haven't spoken about, which is very famous, is a place called Kanchanaburi. Now, people won't know probably the word or name Kanchanaburi, but that's where you find the bridge over the River Kwai. Um, so I've actually stayed there, and that's where I had my first taste of grasshoppers uh, in Kanchanaburi. But it's very, very humbling when you go over the bridge of the choir and you go to the museum there and see the sacrifice that people made actually building the Burma Railway and all that type of thing. So Kanchanaburi is definitely worth a visit and you can go you know, to visit and there's a lot of culture and temples and ruins apart from the main three sort of hubs that we've spoken about. There's a lot more places you can go to uh, as well. But yeah, if you've got a couple of weeks, then you can see sort of a three center bit of everything. Brilliant. 
And um, in terms of accommodation, there really is something for everyone, isn't there, um, Betsy, from real two star, one star guest houses um, right up to the six star all, in, all encompassing resorts? Yeah, there's the whole spectrum, really. Um, and it does. It depends where you are in the country. Um, but I think a lot of people looking for luxury can mean sort of different things to different people. So for some people that will be, you know, a five star skyscraper in Bangkok. But then for some people, it will be going to, you know, a local community and really sort of doing like a homestay. I think like Mark was mentioning earlier. Um, so there's lots of like community-based tourism um, initiatives throughout the country um, where you can go do homestays, learn um, sort of local cultures and local crafts, take part in cooking and things like that. And actually going to those smaller villages is good for tourism. It means that we're not pushing everyone to the big hubs like Bangkok and Phuket. We're actually getting people dispersed, um, which then helps, you know, these smaller villages actually thrive and keep going. Um, and if tourists are going and wanting to experience the local traditions and local crafts and things like that, it means that then the villages will kind of hold on to that tradition. So whereas maybe they might have lost that along the way, you know, it actually encourages them to keep that going. Um, so I think there's a lot of places that potentially people may never have heard of, like Mei Hong Song in the north. Um, and then down in the south, there's a little village called um, Ban Kiri Wong as well. So this was a tiny little um, village that was destroyed in the 1980s by mudslides and since then it's regenerated as a eco-tourist attraction so somewhere like that that has completely flipped a bad situation um, into a very very positive one and people now go and visit that and actually benefit the area um, so yeah there's a whole range of accommodation um, and yeah that's just sort of a very I think I might have gone off a bit, bit of track there but <laughs> small villages I suppose is just what I'm trying to say is that um, you know, there's so many options. It's not just the five star high rise buildings in Bangkok. There's a whole range. Oh, and that's great to know that as a tourist, you can actually contribute to the sustainability of the tourism in the country by staying at some of these maybe lesser well known places um, and just, again, immersing yourself in the culture. Yeah, and that's been absolutely fantastic today with all of your insights. And I just wanted to finish on um, sort of multi centres, because although we've mentioned that Thailand really does have it all, that it is also a fantastic multi centre um, stop off. Uh, Dave, what would you recommend? How would you incorporate it into a multi centre holiday? Great question, Jules. Yeah, it's all about time, really. What about how much time you've got? I mean, and the first thing I would say is if you are if you're going to Australia or New Zealand or you're having one of those blow the budget around the world trips, then Thailand is a perfect stopping off point. So if you're going to Australia, New Zealand, spend some time on the way. It's a long way to fly to Australia without stopping or stretching your legs. So Thailand is great because it's sort of, not exactly, but it's sort of in the middle. So it's a great stopping point on the way to Australia, New Zealand. Also, if you're not going that far afield, you can sort of go somewhere before Thailand so if you want to go to somewhere like Dubai on the way and then that's two very very different experiences and I would always suggest if you're going to Thailand mix it and match it with somewhere that's not the same if you know what I mean because then you're maximizing the experience so somewhere like, like Dubai onto Thailand you can get Australia as well if you want so um, yeah you can mix it with um, Hong Kong with China that is China with Japan all matter but I would always say right have a different experience than than Thailand itself so you'll get the most of it then 
but um, yeah, it's great for a stopover point, yeah. But one night isn't enough. If you're gonna go, make sure you spend some good time there. Oh, that's so brilliant. You've all given such great insights into your own personal experiences in Thailand. And I'm sure we've helped a few people today think about their itineraries um, in this fantastic country. So if we just round it up, I would just like to end with um, the greeting that we started with. So if we all put our hands together again and slightly bow our heads. Swadhika. Swadhika. Fantastic. Thanks so much for um, coming on today onto the podcast. And thank you so much for listening. Please do give us a five star review if you found it very interesting and recommend it to your friends. The Travel Podcast is sponsored by Not Just Travel, where it's not just travel, it's a way of life. We hope you liked this podcast. And if you did, please tell your friends. But also take a moment to rate us on iTunes as it helps spread the word. Thanks for listening.